Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Today, we kick off our brand new teaching series, The Story. We're going to start things off in the book of Genesis. Enjoy, and thanks for listening. Welcome to Valley Point Church and the start of a great journey. We begin something new today that I believe is going to be memorable and helpful and unifying. Here's what's happening. We begin a brand new series called The Story. And The Story is a condensed chronological walk through the Bible where we will discover how our story fits into God's story. And I think in the process of this, we're going to watch the Bible just come to life it's going to be a very energizing thing. So what's the benefit of doing this? What's the real benefit of walking through different stories and seeing how all of this is put together? I think there's actually three benefits to this. And I want to share this with everyone because I want us to understand the why. Here's benefit number one. We get the chance to improve our Bible literacy After our time in the story, we're going to know more about people and places and books than what we knew before. And we're going to be able to see, oh, that's what God meant when he said that. Or that's where that story happened. And it's going to begin to make sense as we put it all in order. And our understanding of scripture is going to grow. What you'll hear me say each week, or at least on most weeks, is something that sounds like this. I want to introduce to you with each story part of what we'll call the upper story. And the upper story is the big idea of what God is doing. It's the grand narrative of how God is reaching out to people and desiring to build relationships with them. That's the upper story. And you'll hear me talk about that and use that language. And then I want to introduce and talk about what we'll call the lower story. The lower story is the historical context. It's the smaller stories of what's happening on earth And what's going on with people? And what are they experiencing? And what are they feeling? And we'll talk about their successes as well as their failures. That's all part of the lower story, which will bring us to my story, our story. And these are the takeaways where we will begin to think through what's the information that we can take from the upper story and the lower story that will help us survive another seven days. So this is kind of the flow of the whole series. The upper story, the big idea of what God is doing, the grand narrative of how he is reaching out to be in a relationship with all of us. That's the upper story. But then we want to bring it down to earth and think about what happened in history And what can we learn from that? So when we get to my story and the takeaways, we have something to walk out of here with that will help us survive until the next edition of the story. So the upper story, the lower story, and my story. And I think all of this is going to grow our biblical literacy. That's benefit number one. Benefit number two. 
parents, you're going to be equipped to lead spiritually. And honestly, I think this is one of the great things about walking through the story. And here's what I mean by that. Right now, if you checked in a child to Lil K or Kid Point, they will be hearing the same story that I'm going to share with you today and every week throughout the series. There is going to be tremendous coordination. And some of the same language that I share with you will be what they hear as well. If you have a child in On Point, which is our 6th through 12th grade student ministry, when they gather on Sunday afternoons, they're going to be hearing the same story. And I think this gives us the ability, as parents and grandparents, to ask great questions and create meaningful conversations around what happens right here. So the church is kind of driving some of these conversations that can take place in the home. And so I would really encourage you as parents and grandparents to lean into this because what we're talking about in here is what our kids will be hearing of all ages. And even our life groups are going to be walking through this. And again, this is just going to open the door to, I believe, some really meaningful conversations. So take advantage of that. This is going to help us as parents to really lead spiritually. And then benefit number three, the whole church is going to grow as we understand how our story fits into God's story. And it does. Whatever your story is, whatever you have experienced in life, whatever you have walked through, your story can fit into the bigger grand narrative of God's story. And so I think as a church... We're just going to grow deeper and wider as we think about how our story fits into the big story of God. Now, I want to say this. If you're here and you're not a believer in God, maybe you would describe yourself as a skeptic or maybe you've been disappointed with God. Maybe you're here and you have no idea why you just happened to, to be here on this Sunday. I want to say welcome. I'm really glad that you're here. And I want you to know that Valley Point is a safe place for you to investigate and question. And I think what you will discover as we walk through the story is you will gain a new perspective on God and you will also be able to see what he wants for you. And I think that you'll really enjoy this. So let's chase this together. Let's begin. Here's the upper story our statement for today, or the big idea of what God is doing. God made everything there is, and he made me to know him. And again, if you have a child in Kid Point or in Little K, that's their same big idea. So you can use that language. You can talk to them about how God made everything there is, and he made me. He made us to know him. If you have a Bible or a device, I want you to find Genesis chapter 1. This is week one of our brand new series, and we're going to start right at the beginning. Page 1, book 1, chapter 1, and verse 1. So if you'll find Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, that would be very helpful. While you're finding that, a question. When's the last time that you watched a movie that had a really big beginning. And if you had to step out for whatever reason to miss that big beginning, maybe you had to buy some popcorn or maybe you had to take a phone call, 
and you stepped out and you missed the big beginning, you step back into the narrative of the story and you kind of sense that you missed several key things. Has that ever happened to you? I want to let you know that the month of November is going to be a great movie month. And you may not know this, but I have two movies on my calendar right now that I plan on seeing in November. Spectre, the next James Bond, and then Creed, the next Rocky. And everybody's got Creed on their calendar, right? I expect everybody to see that. It's one of the assignments. Everybody needs to watch Creed. Well, I am really excited about the month of November and seeing these two movies. My wife Tanya and I see about one movie a year. That's about all we get. Our kids go to all kinds of movies. They have a great social life. I think my social life consists of back-to-school nights. That's pretty much what we do. So we only see about one movie a year if we're lucky, but in November, oh yeah, two movies. We are going to see them. And it's going to be remarkable. And I want to get there early. And I want to get my seat and have everything ready because I want to take in all of the action from the opening minute because I think both of these movies are going to have big beginnings. And I want to be there to see it. The story. God's story. It has a really big beginning. And it's important that we see this. And so if you have your Bible open to Genesis chapter 1, first chapter, first verse, here's what it says. In the beginning, God. Will you say that with me? In the beginning, God. One more time. In the beginning, God. And right away here, first chapter, first verse, we are introduced to the main character in the story, and it is God himself. And we're up for quite a ride, I can tell you. And here's what he did. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a big beginning. And we don't want to miss any of this. What happens in verses 2 through 25, which I would encourage you to read this afternoon at some point, and you will have time to do that because the Eagles don't play until tomorrow. <laughs> Go Eagles. So be sure that you read through that today because what we have described for us in verses 2 through 25 is all of the creative genius of God. And as you work your way through those different verses and you read and you begin to understand what God created in the beginning, you can basically put it into two categories. God created places. That's what he did. And then God created things to put into those places. And that's how you can break down all of God's creative work. He created places and then he created a bunch of stuff to put into those places. We describe it like this. On days one, two, and three, God created light and dark and sky and water and land. Those are places. On days four, five, and six, God created sun, moon, and stars, and birds, and sea creatures, and animals. Those are the things. So in the opening days, God is creating places, 
And then in the latter days of the description of creation in Genesis chapter 1, God is creating things to put into these places. That's chapter 1 in the Bible. It's just huge. It's a big beginning. Now, I want to acknowledge the tension that exists in the world over Genesis chapter 1. Did God really create? Did God really do all of this, or did the world come to be another way? And if God did create, did he do it in regular, ordinary 24-hour days, or did he take a greater amount of time in order to create? What's really happening here? Well, I can tell you that there are a lot of books and thoughts and theories on all of this. And if you begin to read through it, it's absolutely exhausting. It really is. Everybody has an opinion on this. And I want to throw my two cents into this. I'm a creationist by choice. After my study and my research, I believe God created everything that exists And I also believe that God did that in ordinary 24-hour days. And the reason I believe that is because of the language used here in Genesis chapter 1. I think we have to remember that when we're studying Scripture, we have to remember the language because that's really a big deal. And so when you begin to look at the Hebrew word for day that is used here in Genesis chapter 1, which is the word yom, it can mean a period of time, but based on the structure of the language used here in Genesis chapter 1, it leads us to believe that these were ordinary, regular 24-hour days. How do we know that? Well, it's the grammatical features. For instance, when yom, or the word day, is associated with a number which happens 410 times outside of Genesis 1, it always means an ordinary day. When you have the words evening and morning with the word day, which occurs 23 times outside of Genesis 1, it always means an ordinary day. When you have the words night and day, which occurs 52 times outside of Genesis 1, It always means an ordinary day. And so when you begin to look at the construction of the language, the verbiage that's used here in Genesis chapter 1, which God put together himself as an eyewitness of what he created, this word yom or day leads us to believe that these are normal, ordinary 24-hour days. All right, that's just some fun stuff to think about. Now, here's the thing. God did all of this creative work. On day one, two, three, four, five, and six. And when he stepped back and looked at the places he created, and then when he looked at the different things that he put into those places, God had a little commentary on each day. God looked at everything and he said, Oh, this is good. This is amazing. I like what I have created. This is. Good, And that's the commentary we get from God himself on what he had created. But as we think about the upper story, all of that is really not the point of creation. The places and all of the things that fit into those places. God looked at it and said it was good, but none of that is the point of creation. The prized creation... 
the core of God's passion. God's big idea is humans. It's people. And we see this in verse 26. After all of the creating of places and things, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And then we read this in verse 31. Then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good, not just good, but God looked at everything that he had created, including humans now, and he said, this is very good. And I want us to think about this for a moment because it's very easy to overlook the significance of that statement. You've got God creating and everything is being made and formed, and we may forget or overlook the fact That the core of God's passion, his big idea in all of this is not stuff, it's us. It's humans. It's people. You are valuable to God. You are beautiful in the eyes of God. You are an amazing creation in God's eyes. No matter what you feel about yourself whether you like yourself or not, whether you're frustrated with things that have happened in your life and you get down about who you are and what has happened to you, I want you to know today that you are the prized creation of God. And when he made humans, he said, well, that, yeah, that is very good. We know this to be true because in Genesis chapter 2, after he created Adam and Eve... And into chapter 3, we find God coming and walking and talking with them. He wanted to have a relationship with them. God created everything there, there is, and he created me. He created us to know him. And we see this right away in the first three chapters of Genesis. God walked and talked with them because he wanted that relationship. And he wants the same thing with us. That's the upper story. God created everything that there is, and he created me, he created us, to know him. But what about the lower story? What's happening with people on earth? And what goes on after God sets all of this in motion? Well, what happens is that things go terribly wrong as a result of sin. All of this goodness, all of this beauty that God created becomes distorted and ruined and wrecked by sin. God loved Adam and Eve, but he didn't require that they love him back. He gave them the choice. And what we discover in Genesis chapter 3 is that Adam and Eve made the choice to walk away from God. And they turned their back on God. And they sinned. They missed the mark of God's holiness and perfection. And this beautiful story, this beautiful narrative that we have is all of a sudden ruined and destroyed. So what happens? 
God like swoops in and fixes everything, right? Because that's what God does and he wants it to be beautiful and lovely. So God's going to take care of this, isn't he? Well, actually, when you begin to read in Genesis chapter 4, you have the story of Cain and Abel. These are the children of Adam and Eve and Cain became so jealous and envious of Abel that he murdered him. And so as the family grows, sin continues to the point that when you get into Genesis chapters 5 and 6, I will tell you that there are some very disturbing words here, and this is a bit shocking. And this is what we find from God himself. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought, consider that, Everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. Do you see the words consistently and totally there? Comes from the Hebrew word kol, which means the whole or all. So get this now, as God looks at the totality of everything that he has created, the whole of it, all of it is evil and wicked. There's not anything that's good. And this doesn't look good at all, does it? And then we find this in verse 6. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on the earth. It broke his heart. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. That doesn't sound good, does it? And if you were to close the story there, you would come to the conclusion that God is an angry God. Why are you so mad about God? And you just created things in order to destroy them and blow them up. That's the kind of God you are. You're an angry God. And we would miss out on verse 8, which says this. But Noah, here's a new character, a new person in our story. Noah found favor with the Lord. Do you see that word favor there? Do you see that? Nod your head if you see it. It comes from the Hebrew word for grace. And the picture of the word grace is a charm or a beautiful necklace that hangs around your neck. And that was Noah. He was a charm. He was a beautiful necklace that God spotted. So picture this now. God looks out at the totality of everything that is happening and there is nothing good. The whole of it, all of it is just bad. God begins to search, and he looks, and all of a sudden, there he is. There's that beautiful necklace. There's that charm of grace, and it's hanging around Noah's neck, and Noah found favor. Noah found grace with the Lord. It's interesting because what happens next is that God actually destroys the earth with a flood, except for this charm, this necklace of grace, Noah and his family is saved and they're put into a boat. It's God's way of starting all over again. In Genesis chapter 7, Noah steps off the boat with his family 
And in Genesis chapter 8, we discover that God gave him a covenant promise, a symbol that he would never destroy the earth again with water. It was a rainbow, something that they had never seen before. And every time that Noah and his family would look at that rainbow, and every time we see that today, it is a reminder of the covenant promise of God way back at the big beginning that God would never again destroy the earth with a flood. But here's the deal. Noah and his family in chapter 9, that's what they start doing. They start sinning. Sin hasn't gone away. Sin hasn't been taken care of. It still existed then, and it still exists and bothers us today. But here's what I want you to see back in Genesis chapter 3. It is an amazing promise. See, sin has consequences. There's a price to pay for sin. And there are consequences that Adam and Eve had. And in chapter 3, we find God having a conversation with them and the serpent, the great enemy of God, who lied to Adam and Eve about what God was and what he could do for them. And so here we find God speaking to his great enemy, the serpent, and he says this, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And here's what we discover, and this is the other part of the lower story, and that is a future rescuer is promised. And we see that right here in the big beginning in chapter 3 after everything that was perfect has been ruined and destroyed. We have God saying to his enemy, a rescuer is coming. A future savior will arrive who will take care of all sin and pay the price for everyone's failures. And you will strike his heel and that will be painful to him. But he will crush your head, and that will be a fatal blow, and that's how he pays the price for sin. Can you see what's coming here? You see it? This is so good. It's so good. Let's think about my story, and I have a couple of takeaways for you. Number one, you are valuable to God. And as you walk out of here in just a bit, I want you to know this. The prized possession, the core of God's passion, his big idea was people. And you are valuable to him. You matter to him. And may that drive you to have an an amazing week of thinking about who you are before God and how you stand in his eyes. You're valuable. You matter. You're beautiful. And then secondly, the rest of the story And what we're going to experience from now into 2016, the rest of the story is God reaching to rescue what he loves the most. The rest of the story, the rest of this book is God fighting to get us back. To get back what he loves the most. And God does it in amazing, creative ways. And this is what we get to continue to unpack each and every week. And we know all of this. Because God created everything. And he made us to know him. And the rest of the story is unpacking how we can know him in intimate ways. Father, we're so thankful for this opening week where we get the chance to look at 
this big beginning. God, there's so much activity that happens in these first nine chapters. You create, you invent. We see your prized possession, it's people, it's Adam and Eve, and their family begins to grow, but yet sin entered and the beautiful story was ruined. But yet, God, right away what we discover is that you promise a future rescuer. And the rest of the story, the rest of what we're going to walk through is how you fight to get us back. Because you want to be in a relationship with each and every one of us. God, may this cause us to just run to you with eyes wide open in awe of who you are and your desire to be with us. God, I pray that as we embark on this journey that you would change us. God, help us to learn new things about people and places and books that we never knew before. And God, may we understand the grand narrative of you reaching out to be with what you love the most, and that's people. God, give us a great journey, a great ride. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.